Hey everybody, welcome to your off-week content for the Gimme the Loot podcast. This week we're rebroadcasting our interview with Travis Vengroff from the Dark Dice podcast, as well as a number of productions from Fool and Scholar. Travis was an incredibly nice person, just a blast to speak with, was generous with his time to coordinate an interview across international time zones, which, you know, for me is like navigating to another star system. So as a thank you, be sure to get over and check out the volumes of just incredible shows and entertainment they've put together from Dark Dice, which is fantastic, to their children's-oriented show, The Boar Knight. Links galores below. Cannot recommend it enough. They've won a mountain of awards, and when you listen to it and dive into your content, you'll you'll see it's all very, very well-deserved. So, And hey, if you get the opportunity to catch his Twitch stream where he goes into editing, by, by all means, check him out on Twitch, too. I've only managed to sync up with him one time because it does come on at some different hours because, again, we live on a round ball that makes time different. But, man, it's super informative. This one was a bit of a unique situation that because of the scheduling we actually recorded on the weekend. Normally, we do these things 7.30 Central Standard Time, Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash GMDLcast. So when you want to check that live content out, make some time to swing over there. You know, maybe watch the video afterwards. I know what you're saying, Turner. Hey, man, um, I'm I'm at work that day. Or, you know, if you're going to rebodcast it at uh, as a podcast, why would I bother showing up for the Twitch? Well, look, the audio for interviews gets rebroadcast. Sure. A lot of content on that Twitch that doesn't unless you're a patron. So catch it live or, you know, let's go over to patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast and check out what other cool stuff you can get for supporting the show. Just a quick reminder, of course, Gimme the Loot is not a family-friendly show due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, and gore. And while our interviews are typically less gory in most circumstances, this one actually manages to dip into the gore, which is which is great. And of course, as a rebroadcast of a live stream, this is a little less edited than our standard format. So there's a few more click clacks, clocks, clums, and clues, and clorgans in honor of Travis's acting crew who perform some of his NPCs. And, you know, on a side note, I may just try to start scheduling all our recordings at, you know, uh, at 9 a.m. because my morning voice is bringing a completely different game to this interview. So, yeah. On that tribute to Narcissus, hope you enjoy the rebroadcast of the show. Boom, sneak attack, everybody. We don't believe in smooth transitions on our show, Travis. I really probably should have warned you about that up front, but uh, hey, everybody, welcome to an early brunch edition of the Guest Quest, the TTRPG community interview show brought to you by the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that uh, understands the international dateline now, maybe not even a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little better, a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, I am j- graciously joined this, uh, this morning slash evening by Travis Vengroff from uh, Fool and Scholar Productions, Dark Dice Podcast, among others. And we're going to get into all the things that that he does. Uh, Harland may pop on with us in a minute. Uh, but Travis, thank you, for, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun. So, wow, Dark Dice is a vibe, man. I will, <laughs> I will absolutely tell you. You guys um, popped up on my radar. You did a, a pretty impressive marketing campaign um uh, a while back and so you'd always kind of been lurking uh, appropriately lurking uh in in the, in the back of my consciousness um and then uh and then you guys had Jeff Goldblum on and I went okay now I really got to listen sold yeah and I'll I'll be honest with you I bounce off a lot of shows but um uh, I you guys hooked me right from the very beginning um I love the setup love the dynamics um what what is what was kind of the origin of that? I, obviously, there's Fool and Scholar that is your your broader production company, correct? Production company with big air quotes. Um, so my wife and I are Fool and Scholar Productions. Um, we started wanting to tell audio stories as kind of a way to hang out, and they got more popular than anything else we've ever done before. So we kept doing that, and it was also a lot of fun, more fun than anything else we'd done in the creative space. So we kept doing that, and eventually we needed to sound more formal than we do. So. Um, we met playing a game of Werewolf. I drew the Fool card, and that's how I got Caitlin to start chatting with me oh. originally when we first met. So I'm the Fool. She's the Scholar. She got a scholarship in Oxford. So um, Frost Scholar, if that means anything to people. But uh, she's got the MSc in Archaeological Sciences. She writes stuff. I do the sound design. Oh, wow. And it's been that way since. And then exactly five years ago, 
we had uh, to this day as our first game of game of dark dice was today five years ago congratulations well planned yeah look well at planned. that look at that <laughs> we um we had a really fun uh, live show planned with the cast of The White Vault. Mm. And we never met these people because we do all remote recording with all of our actors. And The White Vault is a horror podcast and people can be creepy. So we thought we'd like to meet them first. So <laughs> as I make you spill your, <laughs> your drink there. Um, so we wanted to play D&D to get an idea of who they were. And this one shot that I'd put together based on kind of fears, I, you know, I lurked and did some internet searching to figure out what these people actually feared and put them all into a campaign and stuff that I feared. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it was fun and it became clear pretty quickly that it shouldn't just be a one shot. Um, so we, we extended this one shot bonus episode into kind of its own series just on accident and it kept growing and growing and becoming more unruly. And now it's its own show. That's apparently Jeff Goldblum has joined and it's really uh, also surprised me when that happened. Um, I was equally surprised. Uh, but then like, it's, it's just, it's kind of a show now and we do our thing and it, we cut out the table talk and it's, it's more like you're in the room with the characters or I, I should say in the caves or, or forests with the characters getting murdered by a shapeshifter. <laughs> You mentioned cut out the table talk, uh, which is an excellent transition for talking a little bit about the format. Because you guys, it is a little bit unique. Um, you do, uh, and I guess that's the question: is how does that structure come about? You play the session, edit it after the fact. Is there some uh, creative writing on the fly? As because I, 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 you know, having listened through, there's one point you I think you mentioned that the cast writes some of those descriptions that the narrator then turn around turns around and provides. What is the flow of play to finished content just for um, for the text? So uh, they don't write it. They're usually just saying it out loud. So like, yeah, I shoot the guy through the ear very specifically. And they'll like describe like, and blood spurts out the nose or, you know, whatever they say, I'll re-record it because combat is a slog mm. and um, it, it is quite a slog. Yeah. So my goal is to shorten all of those. So if I can condense what they've said and, you know, the repetition of information into just something really exciting, boom. So I don't hear, I want to do the thing. Right. Uh, this is what I do. I'm rolling. This is what you have to roll. Okay, I'm rolling the dice. Okay, confirm the number. All right, well, you hit. Okay, roll damage. Okay, uh, you hit them. What happens? Describe, you know, where you hit them and this sort of thing, and they describe it. So instead, it's just, uh, usually I'll take all the narrative they've given me and say, okay, so-and-so swung at blah, 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 missed it, unfortunately, or hit it and cracked uh, a loud thunderous crack, uh, split open their skull, whatever they happen to give me. Uh, and, and it's always in past tense because I've got to change that because we decided we were going to go with past tense after we recorded, mm -hmm. which made a lot of more things for me to do, <laughs> but it sounds much better. Um, but it, it's mostly just like things to speed up the, the pacing of the show because mm -hmm. I don't want it to be bogged down. If they have really great dialogue, I'm not going to change that. Um, if there's a thing, I know OGL has been brought this to a lot of people's attention recently because yep. it's hit the news. Um, what is owned by wizards and what's what's trademarked by wizards and what is creative intellectual property? So anytime we mention a deity, I had to go back and retake it as no, no, we can't say that god anymore. We've got to we've got to have our own gods. We've got to we can't say dragonborn. That's that's uh, technically a trademark. Um, mm. We can't use tiefling as a word. So I go back and change a lot of things in that regard, but not really the, the plot doesn't shift in a huge way. Um, anytime there's an NPC, I don't like hearing my voice. So I have somebody else voice it and they do a better job than I would have. And it's, it's lovely. Uh, but they're using pretty much the same words. Yeah. It saves you from having to remember NPC voices, which is the bane of any actual play DM, especially for if it's an <laughs> NPC that shows up once a year and doesn't have a super distinct voice, uh, going back and going, Oh shit, what did I make this person sound like is, is always a, is a real challenge. Uh, so, so you, you have managed to very constructively work, work your way around that problem. Um, uh, you know, it's, I, I'm glad I, as exhausted as I am by the whole OGL conversation and debate and, and uproar, um, the, the, you guys were actually a, a little bit ahead of that game, right? You guys had transitioned into being a little bit more folklore generic with, at the start of season two, right? Was that, was that, did you, had you heard rumblings about the OGL? It was just. Hey man, sometimes the timing works out well, or just you were just conscious of the potential contractual issues. There were some big discussions around. Let's let's say specifically orcs mm -hmm. and the orc issue. Uh, so we made some conscious decisions to come up with our own gods, come up with our own lore. Um, this was possibly fueled by a legal discussion, a fact-finding mission with Wizards of the Coast parent company Hasbro, and they mm -hmm. they were very surprised to hear that an obscure D and D podcast. What's that? Yeah, to explain. You realize there are thousands of these things. We're not the only one, right? Um, so it, it's just been. Uh, 
we don't touch any of their IP or intellectual stuff. That's fine. Um, we respect that. And you know, it, it's funny because we're even friends with people who are on the the D and D team, and they're like helping market our show mm-hmm. and, and get it out to people because they want it out to people. Right. Um, but we have to be very respectful of what ownership and and you know stories are in that regard. So we we were a bit of ahead of the curve before this all came to a head, and it doesn't affect us as much. But we do like releasing pen and paper content for all of our adventures, so you can play them at home and and have fun. Uh, so we, we do have to manage those things, but thankfully it seems to have sorted itself out as of this last week to a, uh, degree that seems acceptable potentially. So one of the reasons why, uh, I, in, in addition to my regular day job stuff in the past, I've, I've gotten, been an internationally certified contract manager who so I've spent a phenomenal amount of time reading contracts, a little bit less on the IP side, more on the, the product distribution side. So when this kicked off, I went, Guys, this is just kind of standard contract negotiation piece. And um, when I started promoting our show two years ago, just going on non-D&D podcasts and going and explaining to people kind of what D&D is here and there, um, started digging into kind of being explained, explaining to people why D&D is such a big thing now, which led me into Hasbro's um, Hasbro's quarterly investment statements and our investor reports because they're publicly traded, which um, if, uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with uh, the, the quarterly documents a corporation puts out. Hasbro's are some of the most colorful and entertaining to read if you get the opportunity to do that. Because like if you're gonna if you're gonna cut your teeth on investment information, highly recommend that document because it has ponies. Um, but the uh but but digging into that and seeing, hey, there's one sector of this report that is consistently higher than others. It is only a matter of time before this becomes an issue down the road. And this was probably a year and a half ago. Um, and then they reorganize and make Watsi a pillar of their overall corporate structure. And then TV and movie deals start to get announced. And then you can kind of see that wave coming with anybody who's who's dealt with any kind of uh, corporate merger piece. So when the OGL uh, one point to whatever version of it that that caused the major uproar came out, I went, okay, this isn't surprising that they're coming out with this. There are some very poorly written clauses in it. But I also think it's naive to ever put good faith in a corporation as a whole. Now, you're right. There's some fantastic people at Wizards. I'm sure there's some fantastic people at Hasbro. But corporations, by definition, exist to provide value to their shareholders and to put any other uh, uh, values on top of an organization like that is, hey, Harlan, join us. Thanks for for hopping in, Harlan. Hey. So Harlan plays Todd the Tiefling. Uh, speaking of IP, we probably shouldn't be using on our show, but... Uh, yeah, we we uh, we are a little bit less sensitive to that to that IP, but we are also a, a much much smaller production currently. And and you know when we wrap up our third campaign, we'll probably go system agnostic uh, from there. But um, you do a lot of um, soundscape work with the show and kind of setting ambient noise uh, and, and really doing setting that creepy creepy tone. Um, as somebody who grew up in the country, there's nothing scarier than the forest at night. I can tell you it, there's just this weird one. It's darker than you've ever been in. And there's this omnipresence threat. And you guys do a really good job of, of capturing some of that soundscape. Are, is that, are you guys doing Foley work for that? Where is, where is, is that? Oh yeah, that's me. I, I do the things. So like you, you picture this big group and it's, it's really like, uh, three halflings in a trench coat, um, which is just me. Um, so I, I get help with like the initial round of dialogue editing cause it's a lot and it's just like cutting down mm-hmm. all the ums and the silence out. But then after that, I have got this, I've got that and I've got a transcript, which is usually not, not the best transcript. It's, it's somewhat accurate, but I'm, I'm rewriting the transcript into English from English, uh, cause our actors have heavy accents mm-hmm. and that can be tough for a transcriber who who's not natively English speaking or hasn't been exposed to lots of Icelandic right. speakers in their life um, or Scottish. Uh, so I'm transcribing it. I'm, I'm shortening it down and then I'm adding all the sound. I'm, I'm finding all the different ambiences because that's my day job with the white vault. We do that full time. We're, we're creators at fool and scholar productions. Uh, we also make a bunch of other shows like the Bore night, which is a fantasy adventure for kids. Uh, so I'm adding these ambiences. I'm doing the Foley work, the brush sounds, you know, every time, did you hear that? What? Sorry, my chair squeaked, but yeah, that's the <laughs> idea. Like, you know, or, Oh, father West Pike took some steps. You know, he's walking in his chainmail, uh, or, you know, if you need a box with human teeth, you know, I've got those, whatever I'm supposed to do, I've got the sounds. I want to make it happen, um, to make it sound as real and visceral as possible. So when 
the, the combat stuff, which is again, super boring happens. You've got these sounds that make you feel like you're actually there. We've got retakes of the actors, you know, screaming and grunting and, and all the, the breathing sounds that go with it. Like, okay, that's great. You said you were winded. Can you record it winded? And I'll usually ask them to do it in session. Uh, like while we're playing because like oh yeah my character's kind of winded he's coming up to the the door to open the door and he's going to knock on the door well can you can you do that like you give some of those breathing breathing right there like yeah okay <sighs> okay i'm gonna knock on this door guys you know they'll get they'll get into it so that's a lot of hand in hand because i'm that's that's my job right <laughs> <laughs> i think of this stuff so h- how did you kind of make your way into that crew kind of what what is the the, the full-blown origin story not of hey your involvement with D, but your involvement with with audio production as a whole and sound design? Uh, it was actually started in music. I had a band, uh, the band was going to record their first album. We booked a studio for a summer. We had a whole summer booked to record it and get the things done. And they quit after day two. Mm. So I had all the drum tracks done. I had some of the guitar done and I had a summer that I'd paid for. So I was going to go and I, I basically sat with the engineer and we edited pieces of pieces and looped them mm. and did every creative thing under the sun to learn how to uh, make an album from from something that wasn't an album and just sort of improvise. And, and really, I learned to edit on Reaper a lot and used Melodyne and a bunch of these tools that are out there and get a crash course in editing. Mm-hmm. And then I made my own albums years later, kept doing it a bunch of times. And then finally, um, we made one called Legend of the Boar Knight, which is part album, part uh, audio book with this boar who goes on adventures in a fantasy land, also inspired by a D&D adventure where we got a boar with animal. Uh, he gained intellect, long story mm-hmm. short. But, mm-hmm. um, and then we, we made a podcast. Caitlin and I wanted to make a podcast together. So we made a fiction one and it was, it was fun. Uh, and, and I would say, I do the, I'll do the sound design and production because clearly you're a better writer than me. Let's just have you write. Cause that's, that's your specialty. You're much better than me. I don't want to, I shouldn't be there. So, uh, gradually my soundscapes got more and more complex and I just kept doing it. And if you do something and you release 30 minutes of content every two weeks for eight years, you're bound to get a little bit better. And that's kind of where I am today. I, I will challenge that. I've been doing it for two years and I'm pretty sure I'm exactly where I started from. You do, you guys do do a bunch of shows. It does seem that they're predominantly horror. Obviously when I was, I was looking at your, your list of your shows, I'm like, okay, horror show, horror show, horror show, horror show, kid show. Okay. Sci-fi too. Oh, uh, you. That's right. But is it, is it horror sci-fi? I would say that it's um, it, it's not horror sci-fi, but it's it's definitely not. It's all the feels. How about that, right? <laughs> Woman wakes up on spaceship alone. It can be a little bit horrifying, but she's got an AI who's trying to help her and she's trying to rescue some kids. So it's not like spooky, spooky horror. It's more like, wow, that's a really unsettling situation. I hope she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, that you know, honestly, that is, it, it, I I can't for for the record, I can't stand horror movies. Like I, my brain is wired. <laughs> That if there is a jump scare, I can know it's coming a thousand feet away and it it freaks me out every single time. But apparently I do love horror podcasts because uh, you guys and then Mayday um, are the, uh, I again, I bounce off a lot of D&D podcasts, but y- you guys, uh, and hooked me right away. Another thing that's that's interestingly different in addition to the the overall audio production is you've got two narrative threads kind of running concurrently uh, like there's a little bit of a time shift um what was was that just a scheduling decision what what prompted the two a tale of two parties so to speak uh so season one ended and like i mentioned we we really it, it ended in like uh, mm-hmm. two weekends we recorded the whole thing we didn't think it was going to be a podcast just gonna be a one-off right mm-hmm. uh but one of the characters arcs hadn't really been resolved and the ending of season one is given to the audience in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And I, in my head, have a different ending in mind mm-hmm. because of how I'm an unreliable narrator and kind of a jerk at times. Uh, so I wanted to go and, and really uh, explore kind of the dying wishes of an old man who hadn't seen his wife in, in many years because it was really fun to play with these guys. And I don't have real life friends. So I thought <laughs> I would maybe play Ooh. D&D with my, uh, with my buddies there a little bit more and uh, get into it and, and see what we could do because it, it was so much fun and they really wanted to keep going. So we recorded their piece. And then I realized we'd left someone behind. So I wanted to see what happened to him. Uh, and, and we had some friends. This is like four years ago. and. Uh, mm-hmm. 
trying to see what we could do with with his thread separately on a quest for kind of revenge because he had been left behind mm-hmm. and uh, see see what we could do to fix that and make sort of a violent confrontation. So my, my goal is to kind of prod these two groups together so one might fight the other at some point if possible. We'll see if it happens. Um, but it's, it's been long recorded, long ago, and I'm just catching up on my editing game because I'm editing far too much at any given time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll come Doesn't back. Sound like fun. We'll come back to that in a second. Harley, you got any questions right off the rip before we we go down? The- oh man, uh, I was just trying to looking at some things. He said I may have missed it. I'm sorry for coming in late. Uh, no, no award winning is what you, your Twitter <laughs> oh, yeah. says. It starts yeah, off with the war win. I'm like, oh, just just drop that down on us real quick. What, <laughs> what award did you win, and uh, how was it? Hi, uh, it's, it's being in an award winning podcast or was it podcast? Oh yeah. Uh, podcast, sound designer, uh, all the different things. We've had so much fun. Uh, the, the awards are, are, are many and I don't mean to, to brag in that regard. It's, it's just been, it's been a fun eight years, uh, or five for dark dice. We've, we've got a here now gold listening showcase. We've won, uh, about five Audioverse awards, which is ridiculous. Uh, that's a, a listener's award. We won the New Jersey web fest for sound design and, uh, actual outstanding actual play podcast, Miami web fest for best, uh, Actor, performer, and also for uh, pot finalist or podcast director, uh, and then we won six Signal awards just, just, just this last month. So we're we're excited for those. Uh, if, if I win an award, you will know, and everyone else will know. Um, <laughs> that was how that would be how I walk into the room and introduce myself. Oh, to give Travis the full bio treatment. Travis Vengroff is an award-winning podcast producer, editor, and sound designer and creator currently working on The White Vault, Don't Mind, Dark Dice, Liberty, and Vast Horizon. His productions have won a combined 52 Audioverse Awards, more than any other production company. He's a Webby winner and repeated nominee, finalist, honoree, a 2020 W3 Silver Award winner, and a Silver Mark Time Award winner, a Rocky Award nominee, a multiple award winner at the New Jersey Web Fest, with multiple stories featured as part of his Gold and Platinum Listening Showcase official selection at the Here Now Festival. He is dedicated to creating impactful stories in an ever-growing fiction podcast industry. So, there, there, there you go. There is there. Thank 50, you. 50, 52 <laughs> is fantastic, yeah. man. That is, a, that is a good number. So, editing, man, I, that, that is, I think, the, the uh, Sisyphean boulder that I can never seem to stop rolling uphill. And, you know, I think it's a challenge for a lot of new podcasts coming because, because look, there's a lot of lot actual plays out there. I, I think one of the, the, there are a lot of people, especially during the pandemic who went, Hey man, this is really fun. When we play D and D we're funny, let's record this and put it out there. And that's where their thoughts to the production start and, and kind of stop uh, coming into that. We certainly had an upward curve on ours. We, we knew we were starting off with, with questionable production values, but the, the goal was immediately to get those, <laughs> get those improved as quickly as possible. I mean, I think our first two episodes were recorded uh, using the dis, a discord bot. Then we, our first two sessions, I should say, were a discord bot. Then we switched over to a remote re- remote recording platform within the first month had gotten everybody equipment where we could record locally and just use the uh, use Zencaster as a backup, that kind of thing. Um, it, tips for a new show starting out or, and, 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 you know, we've grown to the point now where we've actually considered outsourcing that production piece because that's probably the, that, that's why this is my life now is going in and editing it out all those breaths and those ums and stuff like that, but have struggled with really finding a resource um, as somebody who's in the industry, maybe do you have any tips for a new oh, show yeah. that would start up to to kind of get into it and or uh, where those resources would be available? Absolutely. So every week, pretty much, I'm live streaming myself editing and answering questions on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Fool and Scholar. So if you want to get like super deep every week, I'm editing something pretty much. It, it's not always the same time because my work hours are ridiculous. Um <laughs> But that's one one easy resource. Also, we have a thing on YouTube, a series called uh, the Audio Drama Round Table, um, which gets really deep into it. It's an hour long presentation. Uh, I, I give one on sound design. Uh, Jeff Clement from the No Sleep Podcast, which is two hundred million downloads, can talk talks about uh, pre production, post production, production, what it all means, and how it all f- figures out. And these things are directly applicable to actual plays, specifically in fiction podcasting, all of fiction podcasting, and just things you can do to make your process with remote recording easier if you're working with actors locally. Easier. Um, 
my advice is always if in, in like one sentence or less is just keep doing it and do it and then you'll get better at it because you'll find things. But easy tips are you don't need a ridiculous expensive microphone. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you buy one thing, um, maybe get a, a, a microphone that, that has an, an interface like combo. That's their, uh, road has them mm-hmm. focus, right? Has them. That's like the best thing you can do. And, uh, putting over ear microphones or in-ear microphones, so you're not getting that audio bleed yep. from any other things is helpful. Um, soundproofing. If you're recording in a closet for, it's like the entire season with Jeff Golem is recorded in, in closets. Yeah. Uh, except for like one episode, um, where I was able to leave the closet temporarily because <laughs> it didn't have heat or didn't have air conditioning that day. Um, but like recording and just soundproofing really. So when I'm recording intense scenes from screaming, I just literally put my heavy blanket duvet over myself and the microphone. And I've just made a $300 an hour studio right. just by, putting soundproofing around me. And, and it's actually just a blanket. It's nothing special. It's not anything more special than the blanket I sleep on. <laughs> so I, I think like little things like that, freesound.org has lovely free sound effects you can use uh, or, or license or, or you know attribute by giving them credit in your credit section. Uh, there are sound packs you can buy if you're really uh, needing super high quality and a lot of something. Um, there are subscription ones that do the same thing. There's, there's so many resources out there um, depending on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But the basic thing is do it and keep doing it. Dark Dice wasn't our first actual play. It was our, our second one. We've done Liberty Vigilance, which was a lot of fun and had a bunch of guest voices and names, uh, but no one's ever heard of it. But that's okay. But it's a lot of fun and it's good and it's out there and it's waiting for you and it's really funny. Uh, uh, can I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so you said you do um, a, a Twitch stream of you editing. Is it more just uh, people watching your process or is it like, a, like you said, a learning situation where people can ask you questions? And if that is the case, oh, yeah. uh, how do you get any editing done when people ask you questions? <laughs> like, are, are you that? Like, are, I guess you got to the level where you're just like, yeah, ask questions while I still do my job because I'm great. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's exactly it. I'm just I'm quick, and people ask a question, and I'll answer it while I'm like clicking seven things because I'm that's, I'm multifocusing and. It's, it's, I'm a little slow sometimes. Cause I'll usually get like, I, I get stuck in a zone for like three or four minutes. And then I realize like, Oh, I have it hit safe. Mm-hmm. I hit safe and then check on the, the feed. But, uh, I'm getting a second screen up and running so I can answer questions faster. Oh. But, wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 you only have one screen. Yeah. Don't, don't start. Don't start Harlan. Don't start. If I showed you my crappy laptop that I've been editing on for, for six years, you would also be like, what laptop? How? And then so, I'll explain like, it's, it is a pretty terrible laptop. It's only at, at its pinnacle. What? You could have bought it for a thousand dollars. So um, you are an award-winning oh, editor <laughs> with one monitor and we, my, our, our editor has like 14 of them. Okay. Look, and he's a fifth every other week. Let's be clear <laughs> that that's not for editing. All right. When you have, <laughs> That's for that's for the 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 actual play stuff. Like so, when I've got the when I've got the cameras up and I'm looking at you guys, and I've got my audition up, so I'm keeping an eye on my wave because I will, especially when I'm doing NPC voices, peak and and valley and that. And I've got roll twenty open, and I've got the three spreadsheets that I've got the encounter design that I built around. And yeah, yes, yes, I I have <laughs> not only I've got uh, my work is sending me like a big widescreen monitor. Uh, and then, so I'm, I will be in a four monitor setup pretty shortly. <laughs> um, and look, if I get the studio built, cause I am, I'm working on a studio space. I've got two big TVs uh, that my kids are no longer using that I'm going to repurpose into monitors. So I'm going full Osmandius, Mofa. I, I will. I will. You will come on and ask me, is the episode done? And I'll say it was done 15 minutes ago. Like that's how deep this rabbit hole goes, my friend. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's. I, I will tell you the wider wider screen monitor, especially because I do everything in Audition. That's uh, just I got used to the Adobe suite for some of the other stuff and generating assets um, in early production uh, time before we started kind of outsourcing some of the artwork. And it was me just cobbling together Photoshop and Illustrator stuff. Hey, look, got the the creative suite. Learned Audition. Um, it was. Uh, it wasn't, oh, it's, I'm going to say subtractive, but that's not the right term. It's not destructive editing. So it allowed me to, yeah. yeah, it allowed me to be a little bit more flexible versus audition, 
Not audition. Um, what's the one that you guys use, Harland? Audacity. What, what audacity. Audacity. Yeah. Yeah. Don't use audacity. Yeah. Spend spend the fifty bucks and get like a Reaper or a or a Mixcraft. Mm-hmm. Like I use Mixcraft. I, I got it for it was free. Yeah. Like they had a free thirty day trial, and I was like, what can I do in thirty days? And then like maybe if I can extend this another thirty days by getting it on a different computer because mm-hmm. I was switching computers, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, ah, oh, crap! It's really good, and I actually know how to use this now. I'm going to spend the fifty bucks and get it. Yeah. And then I did, and. I haven't ever upgraded to Pro Tools. I'm still on the same one. Yeah. I use the same terrible laptop uh, for, for many. It's actually my my t- new tower PC that I just got this year is quieter than my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, because it was dying. It was just churning uh, nonstop. But, like, you, it, it's not about the tech. I, my, my tech is very, very terrible and, and laughable in many places. The only, the nicest thing I had was a nice pair of headsets because someone at, uh, at, at Focus... Oh, no, um klipsch they felt bad for me mm. and they gave me a free headset because they're like no don't use that use the please please like, okay like you uh, i can't stress that enough that the gear will not make you but, good it's but, it's but sound conditioning and environment really i think is the is the 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 big differentiator right like if you if you're dealing with oh yeah look i ireland i don't know the, the, <laughs> we, we don't get a ton of echo off of you though like like you're oh. you 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 have never never really been the problem and i'm not sure if it's just your voice that's a i don't know if that's an atri or a samsung dynamic um we use a either a qu2s or atri dynamic mics for most of the cast which does a phenomenal mm. job of um, of filtering it down. Um, most of the guys have, Harlan's really kind of the outlier, have, have worked their way down to a, a closet recording studio, situation. Yeah. But I don't know if you're in a nook there that you've got soundproofing by, but you, I don't get the the rumbling rattle. Uh, when you yell at your kids, I pick that up. But other than that, like... <laughs> I try to mute. Yeah, just, my son was just about to start vacuuming in the back. I'm like, what are you doing? You see me? You see me? <laughs> my wife, we just got a new Roomba for downstairs. So she took the downstairs one and moved it upstairs. And I'm like, I'm now going to have this looming Roomba threat like outside my <laughs> closet door that I'm going to I'm gonna have She's to know the robot schedule before it kicks on. Um, that's lovely, but, uh, but, but yeah, man, it's, um, wh- why so much horror? Is that just, uh, the, 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 the content that has come naturally? Is that something that you particularly enjoy? Oh, I love it. My, my wife is also really big. She, she writes all the stories again and it's, it's fun. Uh, like when I was, it's, it's the genre I gravitate toward. It's not the thing that I have to do all the time. Uh, our, our first mm. campaign against vigilance wasn't horror. It was just sci-fi adventure. It was madness but um it, it's just sort of where we where we are it's our comfort zone it's our comfort food uh for for us when we were sitting down in the evening we're like okay the world is terrible right now it's COVID 19 starting let's watch a horror movie about someone else having a terrible time and we'll feel a little bit better about ourselves <laughs> like that's that's where we live and i i think it, it Video games, the same sort of thing we we find those because uh, they they make us feel alive and, and better about our our lives I, I think it's fascinating that your wife has an archaeology background. Steve Erickson, who's one of my favorite uh, favorite fantasy writers, also archaeology background, and I think I think that plays very well into writing for the genre. Has she ever talked about how those two kind of click together, or is it just? Oh, it, it it's always there. Her, her background is in researching things. Like all she did when I met her was research mostly corpses because we weren't sure where she was going to go and we were thinking she was going to work at a corpse farm uh, which studies decomposition and she would like have these books and like mass graves and okay I was just going to you know, sit down for dinner. I think we've explained why the horror all of a sudden. I think I think we just answered the previous question too. <laughs> but no, eth- ethnography, archaeology, research, uh, she puts so much science into our fiction uh, in a very real, even fantasy, right? So someone gets a gangrenous cut, she's going to get into the details on it. If uh, we're, we're writing a new adventure right now that I can't talk about because it's not going to come out for a bit, but um, there are many things that she's been researching to make sure that it will feel appropriate uh, and also scientifically be appropriate, you know, uh, or what sort of animals would these sound like? Or what sounds would be here? What birds are in this region of the world? Because I'm also I've got this little uh, sound H8. It used to be an H6. It, it evolved um, when we got a Patreon that, that worked really well, and now it's our careers. But I go out and record stuff, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that I'm getting accurate recordings and doing those things. I've been doing that from the start. I was just not very good at it, and now I've gotten better because of experience and doing it more and more. But like, I'll hear a door and be like, that's a really great door. That should be in our show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it you evolve with what you kind of see and feel and, and pushing toward realism and getting realistic sounds will only immerse your audience more. Um, and and ex- 
the more realism you put into even your fantasy mm-hmm. uh, with with sorts of creatures that might be out in those woods and the sounds of maybe foxes are they're actually some of the most terrifying noises you'll ever hear in the woods. That yelp and scream so, that they do is yeah is- the geckering. I heard it actually in my town, just like, like walking the dog three nights ago at 3 a.m. I heard the geckering and I was like, oh, it's foxes because huh. <laughs> I know what they sound like. I should go back outside and record it once I bring it back in. <laughs> the, uh, so D&D in a castle, you guys uh, are, are regulars at D&D in a castle. So fun. Um, and your tables are sold out for most of the year, it looks like when I was checking the, uh, checking the website earlier. Both sold out, yeah, uh, and actually, really quickly too. They were like, "You're the fastest to sell out." Oh, <laughs> like, oh cool! Like that, yeah. Yes, we'll take that. Um, so I guess we we have a lot of fun. We go to this castle in in the UK and in uh, Northumbria in England, and it is the Lumley Castle. It's it's, it's even got a ghost, uh, which I, it's it's we got an escape room, and we put people through. There's there's a dungeon and mm-hmm. we get what's called the guards room. It's part of the dungeon and it's like the darkest, scariest part of the whole thing, which is supposed to be the most haunted. Right. And we get to scare the hell out of people for uh, 72 hours. So it's it's a lovely experience. <laughs> uh, fr- friends of the show, uh, Jeremy Cobb and the, the Three Black Halflings are, are also participants and was listening to one of their episodes. I- I've been aware of it. It's been on my to-do list for a lot, you know, but then, but then COVID uh, disrupted travel and I've never kind of gotten back around to it. I D and D in a castle sounds cool, but it, it sounds like it is a even a broader immersive uh, than even outside the game sessions. Like uh, Liv was talking about some of the characters that they play even outside of the sessions, and it is a a broader three day experience than just hey going and playing D and D at a cool location. Can you speak to that a little bit, or? You know, like the, I, I'm going to use a IP that I shouldn't, but it's an easy example. Mm. So I'm just going to try and be quick about this. Uh, Harry Potter has that scene where you're in the, they're all in the dining hall. They're all eating together. They're all wizards. Like when you've got 70 people who all know D&D in this actual castle's dining hall on wooden tables, uh, eating really cool food and having a great time chatting about things they love and around people who are just as nerdy as they are. It's pretty magical. Um, there's also a dance that, uh, that goes on. It's optional. If you don't dance, it's fine. Um, they've got games of knuckle bones, which are like, it's this really fun, uh, old ship game with, with, uh, dice. And, uh, there are, there's a night market, which is actually one of my favorite parts. Uh, but I don't want to spoil things, but it's like, there's some immersive stuff that takes place throughout the weekend. That's quite fun. And there are things to do and the grounds are really uh, inspiring, revitalizing. Even if, you know, between games, you're like, oh man, I've been in a dark uh, room for eight hours on a campaign that's in an underground adventure. Maybe I should take a, a walk and see the sun briefly. And you can, and it's it's very, very pretty. Uh, the, the region itself, and we got to the town, County Durham, saw like some of the churches. It's amazing. And actually, you know, having this castle with the history and the art, you can just walk around the building and be like, wow, this is like a museum. <laughs> So you guys relocated to Germany over, was it a couple of years ago? What, what, what was the move to Germany? What kind of triggered that? Was it a professional decision, personal decision? What, 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 what brought you to uh, the Germans? So I had a job. Uh, I had a real day job for a long time. And then I switched to a different day job, which allowed me a little bit of levity and not being stuck in an office. And I was able to travel just a little bit. And I did. And I, I did travel just a little bit with this day job. And then I was able to move across the country. Uh, for this day job and try and work on some things there. And then I started pod, I was podcasting the whole time, but the podcasting income exceeded the income from the day job. And then uh, I was, I was actually making minimum wage, like actual minimum wage, like us whole standard minimum wage. So if I can work from anywhere, geez, Mm -hmm. where do I want to be? So now that I'm I'm an internet based person, um, Portland is a place that I wanted to be. It is a place that I no longer want wanted to be at the time. So we said, where could we possibly live? If we could be anywhere, where is our checklist? Mountain View. Okay, let's look for that. Um, somewhere central in Europe. Okay. Um, and we had this Excel spreadsheet with all these numbers and different point systems. It's a very German thing. So we wound up picking Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Pre- so we live in Bavaria. Pre- precision German engineering. Very nice. Very, very, very nice. Uh, Harlan, any questions? Uh, no, no, no. Well, there's a question from, um, from Dreekin, um, in the, the chat. I'll get to it. It says, I noticed you wrote an adventure campaign. What kind of challenges are there in taking crazy DM notes and turning that into a cohesive campaign that others can run? So, uh, that can be quite a process. Um, 
I've done this a couple of times. Every one of my campaigns is usually just my notes put together. And then I run it as a game and it gets released as a TGRPG thing. And then I need to convert this for other people to run and, uh, and not get confused by my notes because they don't make sense to other people sometimes. So it involves a lot of research, cross-referencing. Formatting is kind of the biggest thing, making it really easy for people to access because accessibility is huge. Mm-hmm. And in podcasting transcripts, right? You're losing a large portion of your audience if you don't offer transcripts. And if you're a D&D podcast, that can be very daunting because it's improvised. It's not from a script. Um, so for accessibility, people aren't going to play a game if they can't play it easily. And if it's not like really easy and, and low hanging fruit, they probably will, will pass on your adventure. So 80% of it is just looking at D&D books, seeing how they format things. They bold mm-hmm. enemy names, they reference things, they make easy cross-references, cross, cross put an NPC section in the back, player handouts go in the back, and understanding that formatting and looking at the best formatted books like... Um, Guide to Wildmont was really uh, a, a large inspiration for for what I've been doing of late because of how well formatted it is and how easy it is to find the things you need to do in an open world campaign book, which is uh, hasn't been successfully done very often. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, that was you know we started doing that for our campaign as well for for the patrons and by really ran into the wall, the formatting wall pretty quickly. You're absolutely right. Like, that, oh yeah, that was, the, and that was even leaning on the DMs guild style guide and saying, okay, cool. I've got a style guide I can use. I can just plug this in and go and went, oh no, this is, there's a reason why this is people's jobs. This is, uh, mm-hmm. this, uh, I got like, a, I've gotten like a chapter and a half done for the intro and it's like, okay, this is probably going to be a post campaign activity because uh, I'll collect all the information. I'll format it in a way that is a little bit more conducive to, to keeping those notes. Um, recently I switched over to OneNote, and it's been a lifesaver for me as far as keeping DM notes organized. How do you keep your DM notes organized? How do you like between maps and script and encounter design? What is, what are some of the tool sets that you use to kind of hold everything together? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a word document, but uh, nice. it's just a terrible word document where it's just like one sentence notes, but mostly descriptions. I overwrite the hell out of our descriptions because I am non-visual. I don't have the ability to, m- the way my mind works, I don't have a, a theater of the mind, right? I can't see things. I can't imagine what you can just tell me to imagine. I'll just, I have the idea, but not imagining it. So I have to write a lot of notes ahead of time on what they could possibly encounter and what they'll smell like and what they'll see and what it'll feel like and what it'll uh, appear like because I don't want to name drop monsters because it's less scary when you know that you're encountering a ghoul. But, you know, the hairless figure with blood dripping down their fangs uh, can be more intimidating. Uh, So it's a lot of those sorts of things and it's in Word. But I also, for more professional things that I've been working on lately, I have been using Confluence because it is basically a private Wikipedia that you can cross-reference and link your own things and you can put images there and they don't really have a huge limit on what you can do. So that's been a godsend. Cool, cool, cool. The As far as other systems, right, with all the kerfuffle about the OGL, uh, there, oh, yeah. there's a lot of shows moving to other systems, um, a lot of big shows moving to other systems. And, and ultimately, look, I think it's um, remembering back in the day when there was a broader, a, a much more diverse um, indie system, you know, back first edition, second edition that seemed to winnow away when the OGL came out because it was like, hey, sure, I could build something from scratch or there's this framework I can just stylize. Um, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of a return to form to that as as more companies make an effort to go back into open system and now more of the some of the larger actual actual plays are following suit. Is there a system that besides D&D that you particularly enjoy um, that that uh, maybe not even that you're going to do a show for in the future, but just a, a mechanic that because look, the D20 system, the the simplicity mm-hmm. of it is is re- works really well in an improv environment. Um, but are, are is there a system out there that's kind of attractive to you from a production standpoint, but then also from a personal play standpoint? Uh, I'll first just plug the Liberty after system that I built from scratch from the open, uh, like it's not open gaming license. The other one, uh, the SRD, Mm -hmm. you can basically build your own system. And I did, and it's hundreds of pages and it's lots of art on every page. Uh, I love it. It was a heck of a lot of fun to play. I want to play again, but I, 
it's so much time to put together a campaign for that world because Liberty is very specific mm -hmm. and I would have to find willing players. And, and one of them would have to be my wife, Caitlin, who's the hardest one to get of interest in <laughs> these sorts of things. Um, but other systems that are, are not that to really answer your question, um, I'm very excited about Blades in the Dark. Mm. I think that is a fun, unique mechanic. The whole like flashback quickly because yeah. you, you encounter something and then you can flashback at a cost and say like, no, actually we did this beforehand to get past this hurdle in, in a way that's very specific and unique. So it, it's, it can be fun. Uh, and I'm, I'm intrigued at the idea of playing that. Um, but it's, it's tough to find people to play for me locally because mm. my German is only... Uh, at best be one at realism, probably a two. So I'm like able to speak at a six year old level at best on some topics. Um, I'm still struggling. So I got to find my friend, friend group. Then I got to find the game and then translate the game for them. Uh, it's a bit of work. Uh, also the new avatar system is quite exciting. Hmm. I haven't got to play yet, but I, I just, the books have arrived. Uh, Harlan, where is Mike at in Germany? I don't actually know. I have no clue, but he's having trouble struggling learning the language as well. Um, he's He's been there for, man, it feels like four or five years now, maybe even longer. And he's just like, I'm, I'm struggling learning the language. I got a, a buddy I went to school with, a good friend who's moved over there, him and his family. So. I, it's weird. Like, I'm, I'm really good at certain things, but then you get into like niche conversations and I, I know... Overall, like I can speak to someone and have a nice conversation, but then like, let's get really deep into medical discussions. I'm like, I, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know the metacarpal off Deutsch. That's just not a word I know. Um, or when they get like really deep into like D&D &D has a very specific language and lingo or, or a lot of role playing games that are not words that come up in day to day life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how am I going to cut this dragon with a sword or shoot a fireball as a wizard? Like, OK, uh, yeah, I don't know fireball of Deutsch, but I'll, <laughs> I'll learn it. But these things. Um, <laughs> It's been fun. It, it, it's funny you spoke to this a little bit in the in the transcription piece, but I do think one of the things that was was charming about listening to Dark Dice is the actors' native accents are very frequently the actors the accents that are that people that American actual plays try to emulate. There's that Scottish, there's that Norwegian, and I'm like, yeah, this. I guess that that makes it just even more authentic. Like it was so funny that 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 just lined up with the the kind of default go to fantasy accents, and now you've got native speakers with it. It, it again kind of adds to the immersion. I thought it was really cool. I've also been writing the lore around them. So I, I had a world that I've been working on a lot uh, since I was like in elementary school and it's the same world, but there are some, there are large holes in the map where I want to leave space for kingdoms and ideas. And I've really formed them around the, the characters who play uh, on our shows. And also I've worked with a lot of consultants to make sure that it's not just me coming up with the ideas for accessibility and uh, inclusion and such as well, especially when it comes to disability rep, because that's very important. The, so when you said the avatar system, that the the avatar Airbender uh, TTRPG. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, just, yes, not the other avatar. Thank, <laughs> yeah. thank you. I, was, I, I don't know why I went to James Cameron when you said avatar. Well, but yes, you know, it's, 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 only, it's, it's only one avatar. You're right. It's it's a multi billion dollar <laughs> movie that doesn't in, include weird blue uh, cat. Uh, it includes weird blue cat people. The dice set on this. Wow, the deluxe die set. A pair of six yeah. pairs of sixteen millimeter six sized ionized obsidian dice. Like, ooh, those are, those are dead sexy. Um, this is, uh, <laughs> this, which, and that, those dice immediately reminded me, have you, uh, the, there's the, um, the Star Wars TTRPG that's got the weird dice system. Um, oh, but it's, it's mostly symbols on the dice, right? And so it, like, I went, ooh, okay. That, I could see how that system could be, uh, interesting to learn and challenging to play for sure. So, um, and the whole system changed when the Fire Nation attacked. That's true. Peter. That's true. <laughs> I the 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 cast or the uh, the anime guys. I my anime experience is pretty well limited to like Robotech, Vampire Hunter D, Fist of the North D. Star, uh, like some of the classics. Some of the, oh, yeah, classics. some of the classics. Uh, I uh, I have dipped my toe into One Piece mainly for context because I used it to try and kill the party recently. Um, <laughs> but uh, that that's the only big uh, big. Um, anime that I'm at. what other uh, obviously fan of avatar are there other enemies that you enjoy 
Oh, a bunch. I'm, mostly my genre is people who are transported to other worlds and then just start getting really deep into commerce. Like not, not even like I'm going to this fantasy world. I'm going to be like a super mage. It's like, no, I'm going to learn how to make books and start my own printing press and make books accessible for people. Or like, oh, I'm going to start a bakery and hunt these monsters so that I can get the materials that I need and access to these regions so I can make better rice. And, Dr. you know, Stone? Like, uh, not Dr. Stone. Did you, um, did like, you, did you read, I, read Dr. Stone I, or any? No, no. I need. I don't know what this is. Oh, Doctor Stone's an anime where guy from the something happens to the world, and um, they basically end up way in the future, like way in the future, like a thousand years in the future, and um, the Earth has to be really pretty much brought back from where it used to be. So you've got people who grew up around that time who they live kind of like. Like the caveman society, but Dr. Stone was this kid genius. And literally (laughs) he is bringing back what he remembers because most of the people were trapped in like an amber and he gets out of the amber and he's like, and literally it talks about how to create gunpowder, how to make this. And he's taking all these common ingredients and basically trying to bring the, the world back to where it was. So it sounds very similar to where they get transported, not in a different world, same world, but thousands of years into the future. But the world is completely different. And he literally is building everything from scratch. It, it, it's pretty Oh, good. heck yeah. It's pretty good. Follow that me. sounds awesome. Follow I, 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 Follows on my list. Follows teenage scientific genius Senku Ishigami, who plans to rebuild civilization after humanity was mysteriously petrified for thirty seven hundred years. Um, so yeah, that is uh, so. Doctor pretty good. Doctor Stone is him chipping him out of the stone. Is that pretty much what? Yeah, the premise. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting how he gets out and all the stories and things like that. Yeah, it's what he's trying to. He's trying to not. And they're trying to not do the same things that they did in the past. So he's 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 reluctant to try to create gunpowder. He's reluctant to try to do this stuff. But he's like, we kind of need to because they have a more physical advantage and we have a more technologically advantage. And it's it's pretty it's pretty good. That sounds awesome. I I just put that on my list, so I'm I'm, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, that that was one of the things that I was fascinated by when these guys started exposing me to kind of just more anime and context in general is the depth and breadth of the different genres within it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. That, yeah, that there is sport. Like there's, I think one of the better ones that uh, everybody's a soccer you, one or the basketball. This, yeah, the, the basketball. Vo- volleyball and soccer ones. Yeah, that have <laughs> popped have up bunch, recently. Um, that that is a whole sub subgenre within it, um, and it is something that I would love to have more time to explore, but I just have not had the opportunity to. The, the show pretty much consumes my life right now, so. Um, I understand that so well. <laughs> <laughs> the, goal, the goal is kindred spirits. Yeah, I, and I'll tell you the the fatal mistake of oh, I'll DM and be the producer. Kids, if I can give you a piece of advice, have a producer and a DM. Don't make those the same person. <laughs> so that that is. But I mean, no. Look, I I love it and I love doing it. Obviously, I I wouldn't if it it wasn't. Uh, I wouldn't if it for the amount of work it is. If I didn't truly enjoy it and, and didn't enjoy the fans that we've we've picked up and. The opportunity to talk to people in the community and kind of get to meet everybody uh, and uh, and engage with it. So, how I, I got to ask, how did the Jeff Goldblum thing? Like, how did how did they, was did you guys attempt to cast him? Okay, did, this is this is a simple story. Yeah. So I was sitting in in my basement, my friend's basement, because we played D and D in his basement uh, in Portland for for years, and we're sitting there. And Jeff Goldblum is a pillow; he has a face of Jeff, is his face on the pillow. And so he's always been around our table playing D and D essentially in one form or another. Uh, and then I was like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> and then there's like another hook to this, but I, I don't want to spoil the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to skip that part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it would be really fun to have him on the show. Uh, I, I think he would really enjoy playing. I think it seems like a very Jeff thing. So I put out uh, an email the way one does to Jeff's agent mm-hmm. and was like, and by the way, um, our music is really good because that's a huge, a whole part of our production is just the music. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to chat with you about that too. But um, our shows don't suck. We've got a lot of fun. We've got a history of doing this. And you know, like the bullet points that you'd give mm-hmm. to somebody. And by the way, here's a character sheet with your character art that we've got in mind for you. And then we didn't get a no. And then, you know, <laughs> it kept going to the next person. We're like, all right, let's go to the next review. And then it didn't get a no. And then eventually like, okay, you're recording uh, next week. Uh, this Thursday, um, at this time, like, 
oh, okay, let's, this is really happening. <laughs> let's, let's roll the dark dice and see what, how it goes. So it was a surprise. Yeah. That, uh, it, that, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, the, 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 look, you just got to ask component to that is, is really cool. And, and if, if, if you haven't listened to the show, folks, and you've got a image in your head of how delightful Jeff Goldblum would be playing Dungeons and Dragons. It is twice that. It is. It is phenomenal. <laughs> it is. But yeah, I'm glad you brought up the music because I do. Because you guys do have done some spectacular stuff. At one point, had the a huge choir involved. Walk, walk, walk me through. Times. Yeah, walk me through what that experience was like. <laughs> how, how you? How you? Like it was a sixty person choir? Uh, 40 person, but we, we can layer it because it's not an American Union choir. You can actually use the same, you can record the part twice and then you put them on top of each other and it sounds like 80 people uh-huh. or you know, 120. Uh, they keep going and going. But uh, I, from the beginning of Dark Dice, I really wanted to have a crazy awesome like witchery soundtrack. So we started working with some hurdy-gurdy, a guy named Enzo Pizzovio out in England and writing and recording our, our music and editing things and making it bigger and bigger and bigger. Eventually flash cut to about a year into production, because we've been doing this for a while. And we I had this uh, contact who was recording with an orchestra and a choir and said, I've got a couple extra minutes. Do you want to re- take a couple of the minutes? I've got a three-hour session. I don't think I can use the whole thing. Uh, do you think you could maybe get an hour of their time? Would you like to pick that up? And I said, yeah, let's try that. So we snuck in. I wrote lyrics in Icelandic with Eithor. I was one of the players, uh, Father Westpike, and uh, German and Infernal, because I spent a lot of time practicing and learning Infernal for no reason whatsoever. And we wrote lyrics around our own new creepy gods and various things about our world, and we made them bigger and bigger. And then we, uh, Stephen Malin is, has been the chief behind, uh, pushing all of our music together and Brandon Boone from the no sleep podcast as well. Um, recording tracks for us. And, uh, we've got maybe at this point, 20 soloists from hurdy gurdy to hammer dulcimer to violin soloists who are like really specialist to cello stuff to the orchestra, another 40 piece strings to another 40 piece for the choir to another, um, uh, 40 pieces for brass when we had uh, Sakamoto. Uh, Hitoshi Sakamoto from Final Fantasy Tactics has written about 15 minutes of music for our world. And uh, David Wise has also done a different region. So we, it's parsed out by regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Sakamoto's got Vernasco and uh, David Wise is the North Realm. So as the players go to different places, you'll hear a different composer, but in kind of our same style with the same instrumentation. Is Is just having been in the audio business for so long, is that is that where those connections come from? Does it being an international, effectively an international show help with some of that networking and bringing that piece together? Or how do you, what's the challenge in coordinating those individual pieces? I've always been producing things and I've, I, I was kind of a musician first, so I just know people who play things and I can also Google and find these things. Um, so I've been really lucky in my ability to find talented people who are quick on the turnaround. So I can say, Hey, can you do this in like two weeks or less? Can you record this really insane part on, um, uh, Maritramba. And it's like, okay, I, I happen to have this obscure instrument and I can <laughs> record this part for you in, in two weeks. Yes, let's do this. So, uh, it's, Partly, really, I just I know how to find people on the internet and do Google searches, and and really, I, I seem to have enough sway in that world to get them to say maybe, yeah, okay, let's do this. The, the, the enthusiasm with with which you guys uh, approach the production and the engagement with it, I'm sure, it, it is is a big part of that. It is you can tell that there's quality there, and it makes it a little bit easier for people to be part of that production. Uh, Namashe asks, yeah. uh, I think I found the YouTube of the guy who did the hurdy-gurdy for you at Fool and Scholar. Was it Andre? Oh, dear God, I suck at names. <laughs> there we yeah, go. Yeah, he's, he's done some for us. He did uh, the Silent One theme and the outro theme and a couple other things um, uh, from, from Russia, actually. Uh, and now, you know, can't work with him right now. Uh, so that's, that's how these things go. No one in Russia can get paid if you work with him. Uh, it's, it's just... That's how it goes. Um, they're not in the war. They don't like the war. They hate the war, but they can't talk about it. And you mm-hmm. can't work with them. So that's just how it is, unfortunately. Uh, we're no longer as interconnected as we'd like to be with all the people. And we also have a lot of people working with in Ukraine, too, uh, who we're, we're employing and, and giving work to and making sure that they can be okay and finding creative ways to pay them, because uh, that has also been very difficult, uh, especially at the beginning of the war, was, was getting money out there uh, so that people weren't just sort of high and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I work with 
uh, coders in Romania and then a production in Taiwan. And just once you start, uh, that's what... That's why when I found out you were in Germany, I'm like, okay, I can figure out a way to make this work. Like this is this is very much what I do in my day to day life. But uh, being actually over there, I'm, I'm sure helps some of that interconnectedness, but also makes you a little bit more subject to the some of the instability that pops up every now and again. So, um, well, cool, gang. I, we're, we're coming up on the hour, uh, Travis, in our normal format um, when we have the full panel here because it's it's a not it's a not about you know they they're heavy drinkers and getting them especially toys. Um, <laughs> Getting them awake before noon on a Saturday is an accomplishment. Uh, Harland runs, so that's that's his excuse. Um, we, we roll initiative, <laughs> and there's a whole reaction, bonus reaction. We do an action economy setup. Um, but one of the keystones of it is at the end, if the guest uh, chooses, they can ask a question of the cast that the cast is compelled to answer. Um, so is there, uh, and I know I probably should have given you a heads up on that when I was on this, but normally, normally I do that. Okay. This is how we work and we do action. This is what a bonus action is. This is what a reaction is. So what the dodge action is, uh, is there a, a question you would like com- to compel Harland to answer as, as our guest? What is the thing you find the most difficult when playing? Oh man. Oh, uh, the rules. I am very, I'm very new to D and I've only ever played it for our podcast. Um, okay. And I'm so like entire ever. So, and I've never played any other TTRPG. So it's the dice system. Everything is so new to me. So I really lean on the guys Turner who's played for a long time, D and D beyond and other Anything else we use that because I don't know what my dice rolls are. Like the other day, they was like, Holland, it looks like you your your weapon is doing plus 12 and it should. I'm like, guys, I don't have a clue how, what it's supposed to be doing. Let's go through the math and let's do because I just I just have no clue. So the rules uh, have been the the hardest thing for me to get around. But um it's fun. It's fun. I've been having a good time. Uh, improving is fun and everything like that. But yeah, the rules around it is just is killing me. So the specific rules and it makes a lot of sense and like trying to navigate what you can do to yes. make that reality. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. What I can do and can do is like, that seems like I could. Am I able to ask a, as a bonus action, a, a second follow-up of like, what's your favorite part? Yes, absolutely. The, uh, my okay. favorite part, honestly, I, I don't know. Like I said, this is the first time I've ever played. I don't know how my experience would be with people I don't know, which is kind of cool. We have a new person in the cast that I am playing. So this is the first time I'm playing a game with people I don't really have years of experience relationships with. Like the cast, I've known everyone on the cast feels like 10 years plus now. Even Turner, me and Turner has been workers almost, it seems like 10 years now. Yeah. So I I know everyone, but we do have a new cast member. So the the the, the most fun I have is playing with these guys. I, I play anything okay. with them and the, 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 just the camaraderie and things like that. So I'm having fun with that. But as I deal with more people in the community um, do, do, through uh, discord and everything like that, it just seems like it's a really nice community. And I think I, I now I'm, I think I'd have fun playing with more, a lot more people. So just the, just the camaraderie. Okay. That's, that's a very great answer as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. We, we lucked out, you know, when, when I went to put the show together, one, I wanted to make sure that we had as diverse a cast as I could get my hands on at the time. And, and then as well that we had different levels of experience. So Harlan first time playing D and D was on the show um, is the start of the spectrum. And then from the players, the other end is, is Anthony um, who has been, has played, I think 3.5 forward basically. And then you have Mike crusty old ass that again has has other than four um, is is very well versed and one of the things I keep threatening to do because I have picked up the resource, resources for it and I'm a big systems nerd is doing the cross generational comparison between okay this is what strength looked like in first edition this is what strength looked like in second and this is what strength looked like in third because to me that's fascinating because there are there are components of it like the power curve on wizard spells is largely consistent from the first edition like if you go back and you look at the rate at which those spell slots accrue it hasn't dramatically changed the advent of cantrips is obviously a big part of that but to me that they nailed that particular design component to the extent where you don't have to change it that much is is i think a testament to the game but um just oh yeah drinking yes that's right here we go again this is where i (laughs) this is where I, i talk about rules um, which is why I'm only threatening about doing it because there is, they talk about a niche interest 
Um, but uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> as we finish up our our first campaign, we will we'll be jumping into some other systems and exploring uh, exploring a few other uh, one a few other voices in the DM's chair. Uh, so I can you know have some time uh, have some time, uh, but also some other other systems as well. You might really enjoy the Yawning Portal. They like adapted a lot of uh, older campaigns. There's also some books that have come out recently where they just like, oh, here we go. Yeah, the uh, I'm trying to think uh, what the um, uh, they they have the big omnibus uh, like versions of the like some of the they're first one E modules. They're hard. They're beautiful books, man. They're hardbacks. They've got the original one E module, then they've converted it to five E. Um, my yep. my reading backlog for systems is, is like this big right now. So. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like I've, I'm currently working through Vason. Um, then Cyberpunk Red is is after that. Um, there's uh, the Free League has been doing some really cool stuff with adapted properties like Transformers and the One Ring and 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 things like that. So kind of diving into those and um, really kind of seeing what one what's fun to play, but then also what would potentially work on on the production side of things, and then just you know cobbling together different mechanics because i think that's one thing that um 5e D D beyond is a great tool for for new for new players or for players in general um but it there are there are rules segments like when you go and look at the campaign books there are there will be a rule block designed for like dinosaur races in tomb of annihilation that just doesn't appear anywhere else and it's like hey guys databases are a thing let's put those in somewhere so i can as a dm go where are my racing mechanics don't don't make me invent invent Mario Kart rules for D&D because <laughs> I've invented Mario Kart rules for D&D. Okay, gang. Uh, so with that, uh, I think I is going to wrap us up. Uh, Travis, thank you so much for joining us. We absolutely appreciate it. Uh, folks, if you aren't uh, listening to Dark Dice um, or The White Vault or Vast Horizon or Liberty or Don't Mind, uh, they can be found where, uh, where you find all podcasts uh, and, and certainly show. Um, and we will absolutely show uh, when uh, drop the links in the Discord when the show when this comes out as a podcast in a couple of weeks. We'll drop links to everything in there. Um, check out their Patreon. Check out their merch. Um, give them some support. Uh, again, I, I I don't say this just to be nice because he's sitting in front of me uh, digitally. Um, I I bounce off a lot of of actual plays. Um, you know, I, I'm constantly going out there to kind of. Um, uh, just to see what else is out there to understand uh, uh, the the community and to understand what other stuff is out there and to you know, get inspired. And a lot of them, I'm like, okay, burn, burn. Um, your show, like w- within the first couple minutes, grabbed me. I actually, ironically, started on season two, um, oh. and it was like five minutes in, and you made a snarky DM comment about, okay, we're five minutes in and we've already lost immersion thanks to the players. And I went, oh, I'm sold. He's got me. And I was like, because, I, and I, I do think that is something that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I like my, my D and D more, uh, more actual play. Some, I like my D and D more audio drama. You guys definitely are further on the audio drama side of the spectrum, but you bring in just enough of the DM elements of the DMs, the, and, and I say this with, with all the, 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 the salty DM love in my heart, snark that makes it, uh, that, that, that brings that that element back and makes it charming. So it's not completely divorced from the game that, that people might engage with. So highly, highly, highly recommend Dark Dice. Will, once I listen to this, Thank we'll you. be diving into some of your other shows as well. And, and, and I'm sure we'll be just in case for that. So, on that note, thank you, Travis, for joining us. Thank you for broadcasting Thanks on your me. stream and everybody who showed up on your side of things. Hope you enjoyed the stream. Peace. Peace.